Greetings, uh, sports fans and Catholic radio listeners. This is Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host Brad Moore, and you're listening to Two Guys in a Conversation. This is our weekly talk show on sports that Brad and I get together, and a couple of friends just sitting around uh, hashing out some of the, the latest topics in, uh, in the sporting world. Brad, uh, tonight we got a little uh, discussion on on the basketballs getting heated up and healing uh, basketballs rolling off the girls and the boys, and uh, had a couple of really competitive games. I know with West, um, boys came down to the end again and lost a close one. But once again, we have said it: every game they're playing, they're keeping it tight and giving themselves a chance. To yeah, win. you. So you called it the last few weeks that uh, if Healing wants to win, uh, scores in the 40s and 50s are going to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost that one, 51 to 60. So. They just have to play a little tougher defense and uh, keep the scores a little lower because yeah. they're they're not going to have a lot of offense this year. I like the the comments from some of the senior leaders on the girls team. They they have a pretty good understanding of where they want to be by the end of the season, and and of course everybody tries to peak and play their best basketball. But they I love how they talk about and realize they need to come out earlier in the game, set the tone, and be more consistent. I thought that was pretty high basketball IQ for both uh, Skinner and Stanley in, in their comments. Yeah, well, they've been around, uh, you know, very sports uh, avid families. Mm-hmm. And so they're getting a little of that at coaching home. Coaching at home, maybe? <laughs> yeah, coaching at home and, yeah, and the great coaches in the girls' program. I th- Were we starting with the uh, boys? The boys are one and four, so they both played West. Yeah, so I, yeah, we're yeah. jumping back. And now, the boys, the boys one and four, and girls, both the girls and, and boys played West, but the yeah. uh, boys uh, went. Or one and four right now with that uh, with that loss, but all games competitive. Yes, you know? yes. And hey, back to the girls. Um, you know, really rebounding from the opening yeah. two very close losses, which yeah. you know we talked about last week that sometimes early season losses are not a bad thing. And good teams, yeah, especially when it's good teams. Yeah, and yeah. in overtime, and really came down to the end, they were making clutch shots. Um, which shows their maturity and how good athletes they are. So not bad losses. Here's what we need to watch, Brad, and we should probably pull this up um, at the break. Let's look at the Helan girls' team three-point field goal percentage. Uh, Coach Cool is on. We talked about it. Where do you want to be at, Coach? They were low 30s. He said, you know, 35% or higher. Uh, that's going to be the difference, I think, for them between – you know, semifinals of the state state championship is being able to be a little more consistent from three because that's how teams are going to try to slow them down. Good teams that have capable athletes. Yeah, and I think the key there is, uh, you know, are they taking are the, are the right shooters taking the right shots? Exactly, and, and that's what's going to matter. We're going to talk a little more in our show on stats versus analytics and and the understanding of that, and that's such a critical piece. And I've heard you mention it many many times on our show is the key to successful teams is when people start to understand what their role is to help the team win. And that's ultimately when you're going to be your best is that, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be 15 a game. Okay, I can flush that. What I am going to be, though, is I'm going to be a shutdown defensive player. I'm going to be the fourth or fifth option on the swing. I'm going to be ready. Um, and, and when you get people on the same page about winning, that's when special things happen. You know, I, I heard it over and over again from uh, Nick Keel when he was coaching up at Helan. He says, know your role and pack your lunch. <laughs> and what that yeah. means is show up ready to work, but uh, know your role. Know how exactly. you can best contribute to right, the team. Right, Well, that's uh, it, it's going to be fun. I think they're going to have a great season. It'll be fun to see Coach Foster develop that, that Helan boys team over there. East High Black Raiders are, are the class of the of the city again in the boys' side of things. And 
And uh, they just are kind of a mini dynasty over there. They're so consistent year in and year out over their bread with a very consistent name at the helm, Vanderloo. Been there yeah. forever. Yeah. Uh, Vanderloo and East is synonymous. Yeah, yeah. And I love uh, I love the battle between East and West the other night. Coach Coco, man, I love that coach. Coco Fields over at West. Yeah. You know, they doesn't back down. Yeah. He's, he's brought that West program up to the level that they compete. They're not going to back down to anybody. And I love how he said, how come uh, there are so many fouls in the game? On us. And he's, he's just pointed out. Hey, listen, there's always that little bit of coaching from the bench that happens on the east side of things. Like it or not, they're very good at understanding how to change the dynamics of the game by their communication with yeah, the officials. I, I agree with you on Coco. He coached my son in some uh, summer league basketball uh, tournaments. And, yeah, I'm impressed. He he's, he he likes tough-nosed kids and discipline. Oh, he has the bar set. And I've watched him put some of his best players on the bench a few years ago against Heelan. They're in the game. They have a chance to win. And he did not like certain elements of how they were either not following the rules or their attitude. And he put them down. Yeah. And, and, and I tell you what, and that's what it takes to build a strong program. Yeah, for sure. Okay, going back to East, you know, the Vanderloo's at East. And when Vanderloo was at North and when uh, Tom Betts was at Heelan, I always thought that that would be a great plot for a movie. You know, <laughs> the three of them and how competitive oh, they were yeah. and back and forth. And you would see... East and healing coaches going toe to toe and yelling yeah, yeah. each other on the sidelines, and then at the townhouse for a oh, beer yeah, afterwards. Always. There was always a, just a tremendous amount of respect uh, between the two programs, and it was always that way. And it was very heated, but yet in the right way. I mean, yeah. I it was so entertaining. Yeah. You know, they would they would yell at each other in the game, and that was a bad call against us. And you can't do that. And of course. You know, at, at buzzer sounds and they, everybody goes in the locker room, sees their team, they come back. Well, I can't believe you did that. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so much fun. It was a ton of fun. Well, Brad, I'm heading to Ruston, Louisiana here uh, uh, Friday to the NAIA National Football Championship. Morningside's going to try to be back-to-back, and they're playing Marion, the Marion Knights out of uh, Indianapolis and look to be an incredibly good program. Yeah, so they're a little opposite. Uh, kind of teams where uh, Morningside has this high-powered, prolific offense. Marion brings the number one defense, number one offense versus number one defense. Yep. And the game within the game, um, two almost identical running backs, number uh, one and number two running back in NAIA, uh-huh. um, both average about 130-plus uh-huh. yards. You've uh-huh. got, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, Charles. Charles Salary. Charles Salary. Earning his money. From Marion. Um, yeah. He's, he's All-American. Real deal. Yeah. Well, his teammates, Money Brown. So Charles Salary and Money Brown are teammates. Pretty interesting names. So here's the interesting. Uh, Charles Salary's 5'9", 185, Brad. So we're, we're anticipating he's probably more of a scat back type. The quarterback, Ethan Darter. I wonder if he throws darts. Cool <laughs> name. 6'6", 245. Wow. So basically that Ben Roethlisberger back there. That's going to be, you know, he's that's a good-sized quarterback at any level, yeah. particularly in AI. Yeah, Coach Ryan said it'll be the best offensive line they faced all year. Wow. Um, so get ready for another smash-mouth football game. Can Morningside win it with defense? You yeah. know, I was last – so last – you called it close last week, and, and uh, Morningside was actually down at half and had a little trouble moving the ball in the first half. So this is going to be a big challenge for Morningside. I love the fact that uh, Joey Dolinchek, though, really has grown up uh, in these tough games. And it really happened in the second half at Northwestern. And 
and and uh, he he just he does some really smart things, Brad. He sees a play breakdown and throws the ball away. Yeah, um, he's just really evolved, and and uh, the receivers make big plays. And I think it's going to be can the line play can the offensive line continue to be a strong and they need to run the ball better than they did against Grandview um, only at 75 yards out of AP uh, but their pass pro their pass protection is incredibly good yeah so um, that's what I'm gonna look at and I'm also going to look at um, Ken Morningside can they stand up to the physicality yeah so Marion's gonna try and occupy the clock uh, you know grind it out on the ground keep the ball away from Morningside's offense and it's going to come down to uh, that line play. Can Morningside get off the field and not get worn down? And if yeah. so, get the ball back to that prolific offense, and I, I think Morningside comes away with victory. I think that's a great analogy, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to, be a, it's going to be a ton of fun. We had a lot of Morningside people down there, and, and hopefully we'll bring the gold back again. Hey, that's, uh, that's it for the first section of the show on Two Guys in the Conversation, and there's a lot more to talk about coming up here on Stats, analytics, and psychological profiles after the break. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Two guys in the conversation, Steve Ferguson, along with Brad Moore, uh, our co-host. And uh, we're coming to you uh, from Sterling Computer Campus in North Sioux City. And uh, Brad, before we jump into our room of knowledge, I'd like to just... Uh, uh, wish uh, you and Gene and, and all of the Moore family a very uh, uh, Merry Christmas. And uh, we grew up, uh, our kids grew up pretty close together, and we've always uh, had a great time around the holiday season with you guys. Now we're busy and going a malt many different directions. Yeah, one of my uh, favorite uh, pitchers ever was Ryan and Taylor, who are now seniors in college. Mm -hmm. In their diapers, oh yeah, as just little toddlers. So yeah. uh, we we've been hanging out together for a long time. Merry Christmas to you and your family, yes. and uh, I, I really appreciate the time that we spend on this show. Oh yeah, a lot of fun. Well, hey, this is the section of our show called Brad and Steve's Room of Knowledge, and we've been primarily focused in this section of our show on Big Ten football, think, uh, something that's very near and dear to our hearts. Um, Brad's a obviously a a Nebraska Cornhusker fan, and I'm an Iowa Hawkeye, and it's been a lot of fun talking Big Ten football. We thought we'd like tonight uh, just to kind of walk through the bowl games that are, all these Big Ten teams are playing in and kind of give our thoughts on it. Michigan State leads it off on the 27th of December in the New Era Pinstripe Bowl, and they're playing Wake Forest. Um, Michigan State's favored by four and a half. Who are you picking? Brent? Yeah, I'd take that. Michigan State. I think so, too. Yeah. I think Michigan State playing out of the Big Ten. This, this is probably this year of Big Ten bowl games. Oh. I don't know if I've ever seen so many great football games with the Big Ten. Yeah. There's some good ones this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. So the second one we're going to talk about, Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, Hawkeyes are going up against USC. USC embarrassed them. Uh, with McCafferty, who's you know, the brother at at uh, Nebraska now, um, the last time they're in the Rose Bowl, I mean, it looked like McCafferty was playing against people that are not moving on the field. Yeah. And so this is an opportunity for Iowa to maybe get some revenge. But USC's got a big dime passing offense. Right? Yeah, this is a different Iowa team. I mean, Iowa's uh, rush defense; their defense is so strong. Um, that, this is going to be a tough Minus one. You two know, Iowa. Out there, it's tough. Obviously, the pollsters think that uh, I was going to win, so I'll go with the Hawks again. I'm going to stay with you because I'm just a I'm a fickle fan, and I'll take the Hawkeyes with you though. Um, number ten, Penn State, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. 
And they're playing Memphis, number 17 Memphis. Penn State, six and a half favorite. Penn State's going to kill them. I, I agree. Yeah, Penn I totally State's going to kill them. All right. Now we're starting to talk about uh, the Red Box Bowl. Illinois made it with six and six. They're playing the California Golden Bears, and, and uh, California's favored by seven out there. Yeah. Right in their right backyard. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I wasn't very impressed when Nebraska played Illinois, um, actually. So I, I'll go with Cal on that one. I would agree. It's right in the, right down the road for them uh, from Santa Clara. Gophers, uh, number 18 Gophers, playing Auburn, who's number 12, and uh, Auburn's favored by seven. Yeah, Auburn finished their year great. Um, I'm Because Nebraska, one of Nebraska's top targets was from the Twin Cities area, and he Stood him up, went to Wisconsin on the on last second today. So because of that and several other reasons, I don't like Minnesota. I'm going to go with uh, Auburn. <laughs> I love that. I don't like them either. Yeah, we just don't like their colors. No. Number 14, Michigan Wolverines at Alabama. Alabama's favored by seven. I want your thoughts on this one. Oh, gosh, is this going to be a good one? Y- you know, I, I, think, uh, I, I think Alabama's going to win it, but you know, Michigan finished the season better, you know, better than they started. It seemed like uh, they had some troubles early on, got a little healthy. Yeah, I, I got to go with how do you not pick Alabama, but I sure think Michigan's going to make a great game of I'm it. I'm taking Michigan. Yeah. I just think Michigan's got too much on the line to try to prove. And Har- Harbaugh, and I think Michigan really got things figured out. Obviously, that game against Ohio State, uh, but hey, Ohio State's Ohio State. Um, and and uh, I, I'm going to take Michigan in this one. Number eight, Wisconsin's playing number six, Oregon, in the Rose Bowl. Wisconsin's favored by two and a half. Yeah, I like Wisconsin. I, I just don't know if Oregon can slow down uh, Jonathan Taylor. I like, yeah, yeah Wisconsin. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And then the Hoosiers, Indiana, playing Tennessee Vols in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Tennessee's favored by one and a half in that. So Tennessee, again, another team that rebounded at the end of the year, actually had a, a pretty decent year. Um, Indiana had a heck of a year, too, though. I, I'm going to have to go with uh, Indiana. Well, our good buddy, Mike Dunn, is, and, and we're part of the old South Dakota Vols, Brad. I've got to stick with Tennessee and go against the Big Ten on this one. I, I think Tennessee is getting it turned around. Okay, that's kind of it. Other than our Ohio State Buckeyes who are in the college football playoffs, and we wanted to chat just a little bit about the playoffs and and um, what our thoughts on that. So Ohio State's got um, Clemson and uh, Clemson's favorite. Uh, I like Ohio State. I like Ohio I, State. I like Ohio State a lot. They've got one of the best quarterback running back duels in the United States, and I think their defense going to get all over that uh, the Clemson quarterback. I'm with you on it. I'm totally with you. Let's talk about the other playoff game, LSU and Oklahoma. LSU is going to destroy Oklahoma. Yeah. 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 I, that would be – what's the spread on that one? Do you know? I'm not sure. I don't think I have that in front of me. Yeah, I tell you, you can – you can if you want to take even money, you can take <laughs> that to the bank. LSU is going to beat Oklahoma. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it sets up for a pretty crazy national championship game. I, I really think it's going to be Ohio State and LSU. Yeah, so you, here's the deal. Now that there's uh, not an SEC team in the top four, we're going to go to eight. Yep. You know, there's not a, there's not an ACC or team pack. or an SEC team. Um, yeah. so there's no way that the country is going to allow a playoff without an SEC team. So yeah. they're going to go to eight teams. I think it'll be the the Power Five and three at large. Well, and the other thing is the Pac-12 commissioner just came out and said this is absolutely embarrassing for our conference not to be in college football playoffs and, and challenging 
the UCLA's and USC's and all these teams to, to do better. Um, it's just it, it's big money and it's prestige. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, the SEC is just not going to live with any scenario that keeps their conference champion out of the top out of the playoffs. Yeah. It, it'll change in a hurry now. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It probably it probably has to. I think you know you, there's a lot of argument about the student athletes, but these guys are really different kind of student athletes, you know. And they'll figure out they they make it happen in NAIA and every oh, yeah. other division, so they'll figure it out and how much fun I, I mean you you could see in Iowa uh, you know, that, that's how an Iowa-Nebraska is going to sneak into that playoff, yeah. and how much fun would that be? Oh, gosh, no kidding. Speaking of Nebraska, Brad, they had a pretty good – they got a big-time linebacker out of Florida, didn't they? They did. So here's what they needed. So they did get some speed at linebacker. So they finished, uh, depending upon whether you follow Rivals or one of the other ones, they're somewhere between 16th and 20th. Uh, they finished really well. They've got uh, 10 to 11 four stars, wow. uh, 12 to 13 uh, three stars. But here's what I like. They recruited the fastest wide receiver out of Florida, got him away from Florida, Miami, Florida State. Wow. Uh, they recruited the number one receiver, six foot four kid from JUCO, and the number one receiver from uh, prep school. Wow. So they, they brought on some speed and more speed. That's outstanding. Well, it's going to be uh, going to be fun to, to see how Frost kind of in- integrates his recruits into his new system uh, over the next couple of years. And they're going to be, you know, you know that they're just going to get there and get competitive and, uh, and start making uh, other coaches in the Big Ten go, wow, we don't want to play them anymore. But, you know, speaking of coaches, what about that coach from LSU? Ed Ordegren, I think. Man, that guy's a passionate dude. Yeah, and his uh, the Heisman Trophy acceptance. Did uh, I? I watched. I was just gonna say the same thing. So impressive. Yeah, so impressive. That Joe Burrow's it, it, for our listeners out there. If you haven't watched it, go to YouTube and watch the Heisman acceptance speech. Very emotional. Very humble kid, and uh, had a lot of good things to say about how a transfer came in and got accepted at mm-hmm. LSU, and how the coach gave him a chance. Yeah. The coach was in tears. The audience was in tears. That was pretty the, awesome. And the Heisman Trophy winner was in tears. Yeah, good stuff. Well, listen, that's it for the this section of uh, our show on two guys in a conversation, and we'll see how our bowl game uh, predictions turn out here over the next few weeks, Brad. And we'll catch everybody uh, after the break. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore. We've been chatting a little bit about Big Ten football and some of the Siouxland sports things that are happening. And uh, Brad started something last week. We, we kind of went off our normal just talking about teams and local players and stuff. Started talking about some of the philosophical things in sports that we really actually enjoy talking about more um, than, than just, hey, how many yards did somebody have? And and this is something that I have be, been a big, big believer in for a long time, Brett. Statistics versus analytics. And, and this is my, I'm going to tell you my take on it. So if we look at a guy, a basketball player, and I love basketball analytics, by the way. And you look at it and say, okay, this, this kid's a 75% free throw shooter. Okay, that's pretty good. Then I say, what's his, what's his free, fro, free, free throw percentage in the fourth quarter? What's the free throw percentage in the fourth quarter when games are six points or less? Um, you can just go on and on and on. You start to build out who this person is. When does he shoot free throws? In the games that are closer than eight points, 10 points, 
blowouts? Does he miss a bunch because it's like whatever, he loses focus? I mean, it can be very, very misleading. And, and I think you do the same thing with three-point shooting and that type of thing. And, and I think you can, build, you can build a totally different case, and that's what the NBA has done, and that's where Brittany Donaldson got her start, who's now an assistant coach with the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, so a big part of our business here at work is uh, analytics and big data. Uh, and, and the government and uh, uh, corporations now are just collecting more and more data, and uh, they're running uh, artificial intelligence mm-hmm. um, uh, applications against that big data uh, so they can get into uh, uh, predictions. Um, and and that's, that's the same in sports, is there are so many data points, so many variables that can now be tracked and... Uh, you know, I, I think that the time where a coach now is going to look down at his uh, little sheet uh, and try and call a play, uh, you know, based upon a gut feeling, uh, that's going to be history. Right. You know, they're going to have someone in the booth that's going to know if it's first and, you know, 10 yeah. on this yard line um, against this opponent under these weather conditions. They're going to know exactly what to call. It's it's really an interesting point that you make. We talk about artificial intelligence and the applications in healthcare. So basically, what what that means is you take a bunch of data and you base it over a period of time on it. Let's say on the on the human body or some segment of the human body, and you're going to get what's called a, 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 a deep learning, um, and you're going to get this information on say a structural change. So let's say there was a physical change to your body, and it's uh, clinically significant at four percent or five percent. That goes into all the data, pulls it back, and gives you a predictability analysis. So mm-hmm. then, therefore, you start getting not only the, the actual data, you get a predictability of what it could happen based on that event. That's where the whole thing's going. And in the AI system, as in business, I think you're going to see that in sports more, too, that all this data will feed in. And I could, see, I could even see uh, AI being used for statistical, for stats. You know, I think there's a lot of variability in stats at the lower levels, you know, you see things. I l- would love it all being the same. It goes into a system that reads and watches the film and comes out. There's no argument. Yeah. It's pure. Yeah. Then you have pure stat- statistics, and then you're going to have the analytics to go with it. It's coming. Yeah. So at some point, you know, uh, a school with the resources like in Alabama or Texas A&M, you know, they're going to develop some computer model. Uh, it's going to be artificial intelligence where they're going to feed every NCAA Division One football game as it's played. They're going to take all the stats, all the tendencies, mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to spit out, uh, you, you know, statistics so that they know what play to run against, what defense, on what yard line. They're, they're going to have so much data, not only on their opponents, but on football players in general. So let's say that I'm your assistant coach. I'm on the bench. It's fourth quarter. I've got Molly and I've got Jenny. And, and Molly has been 82% fourth quarter free throw percentage. Jenny's been 78. And so I'm like, hey, coach, you know, Molly's 82, Jenny's 78. Then what do you do? Then you still take in the human element, though. You still have the feel of the game, the feel of, of how that person's reacting. And maybe Jenny's more suited at that moment than, than 82, but it gives you a lot of data. Yeah. And if you're trying to decide between those two people, and there's still going to be, it, it doesn't replace, there's still going to be the human element but you're going to have so much more information to make decisions. Yeah. Well, knowing what I know about uh, girls having raised three of them and uh, high school sports, I would say that, you know, it depends upon what girl liked the haircut she got that uh-huh. day. That's uh, going to yes. play a little. A lot of variables. There's, yeah, there's still a human element, uh-huh. you know, and um, 
it still comes down to uh, what do they say, Jimmy's and Joe's, and you know, it, uh, there's going to be a lot of data out there, and, and it still comes down to the players on the field. But uh, it, it, the it's changing. The, yeah. the the college sports, especially, are changing very quickly, and the amount of money and the amount of assistant coaches and and the analysts that they hire. Yeah. Um, well, like Iowa, a lot of resources put in. You know, it. Iowa monitors their players' sleep patterns. It's a, one of their new critical things, and they they looked at optimizing the best time of the day to practice. They practice in the mornings now a lot. Yeah, and it, it's part of that ongoing analysis. But here's another part of of the the things in sports. You talk about the it factor that it just has it. The it factor. It's the psychological profile makeup, and so in business and even in healthcare there are more psychological profile analysis going on of individuals to say, hey, you're going to be better suited to do something like based on your scoring. I look at that it factor thing and figure out how do you analyze someone and say, you know what, they're going to be better suited to be a winner. Why Manning, Montana, and Breeze? Are they the best athletic quarterbacks ever to play in the, as pure athletes? No. Yeah. So the Nebraska Verduso or whatever their quarterback uh coaches, uh, Mario, um, whatever his name is. So he talks about fast blinkers. It, yep. That That's his term for sure. quarterbacks that just process make... Process boom. Yeah. yeah, they process faster, make quicker decisions. Yeah. I think those quarterbacks have it. Oh, yeah. Number one, they're calm. They have abilities, and, and they process very quickly. They have to. Breeze has got some degree of mobility. They all have pocket presence. But Manning and Montana, we're not going to... You're not worried about them running. Right. But and they didn't have like rocket arms. Yeah. But they could see it happening before it did. So how does an under, kind um, a, a, a not a very big guy, Drew Brees, how does he compete at that level? It's amazing. He's, he has to throw the ball through windows, and he sees it adjusted. I watched his throw the other night. He snapped, took two steps, and the ball's out of his hand so quickly on about a twenty-five yard post play. He's going back, and he sees it. Before it even, I mean, it's just crazy how yeah. fast that was. Yeah, and w- w- what he does that's totally different, I think, is he throws such catchable ball. You know, he's not he he's not like uh, some quarterbacks that put a ton of heat on it. He's not like Brett Favre that's going to throw a hot ball into a small window. He's putting it in a position where it's the most catchable. Yeah, you know, and there's the thing about sports. What I love about it is there's all this data. But but you talk about the the misses or the or how did how did they not recruit this player or that type of player, and you wonder if they had more information on that. Yeah, the kid that was the Division three player of the year a few years ago that transferred to Michigan, and I can't remember his name. My son Tanner will not forgive me because he's a six seven three point shooter. Anyway, the story of this kid transfers to Michigan, starts, goes in the NBA D League. And plays for Oklahoma City. And actually, Tanner was at the Oklahoma City game with Grant Gibbs, one of the coaches. Grant's a buddy of Tanner's. They play together. Grant said, watch this guy. Right now, he's averaging 15 points a game as a starter for Miami. And he's uh, shooting like 50% from three. Wow. Isn't that an interesting story? Yeah. Yeah, so we talk about uh, all the data and the stats. And here's why it's important. How many football games come down to the last second? How many basketball games are decided by a point or two mm-hmm. at the very end? If you can give yourself an ever so slight advantage, how many more games are you going to win over 10 seasons? Mm-hmm. Well, 
they talked about Iowa resetting how they were going to coach in the 2011 or 12. They weren't doing very well. They all went out to different coaches. They went to New England. They went all these different places, different colleges. They came back and decided they were going to be different. That was five years ago. And now they have the 11th most wins in college football. Amazing little run. Yeah. Well, listen, very interesting stuff. I, I, I love this kind of thing to talk about, and, and I think we'll, we'll have an opportunity to share more thoughts on these, uh, these new wave thoughts in sports, uh, Brad, as we uh, have more uh, time coming up here in the next few weeks. So is this our last show before the holidays? Uh, before Christmas. Yeah, okay. We might try to pull one off after Christmas if you are available. We might be recording on Christmas night. Well, that might work. Only, right. only for Catholic radio would only we do that. We, we'll make our, we'll make our commitment. Absolutely. Hey, listen, everybody. We appreciate you listening to us on Two Guys in a Conversation. We're having a blast, and uh, we sure appreciate the opportunity to share our thoughts with you. We'll catch everybody again next week.